Have you ever felt paralyzed by fear and failure? As recovering perfectionists, we know exactly how that feels. Once we realize that success is impossible to achieve without failure and that fear will always be present, we broke through barriers in our lives and never looked back. That discovery turned into a true passion to share that knowledge with as many people as possible and to help you shake it up and make a change. I'm Rachel Roth. And I'm Christina Martinez. And this is The Shake Up. Today, we are going to talk about positive image. We are not doctors or clinicians. This is not intended for medical advice, but for entertainment value. Rachel, can you ever look back at a time in your life where you felt like your personal beliefs about your body image were completely debilitating? Yes. <laughs> I Me mean, too. I would say the majority of my life, actually, um, until I, 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 I have evolved past that. But I think that in our culture today, um, and, and listen, I don't actually want to blame it all on our culture because I think that we are hardwired to be attracted to physical fitness. So I don't actually think that it's just a cultural thing. I think that we are hardwired to want to be healthy and to be attracted to fitness. Um, and that's in, in men and women, like you prefer to look at that, right? So I think that um, there is such a, a a cultural currency that is attached to a good body, right? And I I felt like I was negative in the bank. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is for most of my life. No, but for most of my life, right? Like I was, um, I was a little bit of a, of a chubby kid, not unusual, but I just had a little, a little, a little bit of fluff as a, as a little, a little, a young kid. Right. And I think that comments from outside, from other people, you hear those and you absorb those. And then it becomes kind of part of you and part of your development. And so it became kind of an issue for me. I also think that I heard, I, I heard a lot of body image talk. I have a mom, I have three sisters. There's a lot of women in my family. So there was always a lot of obsession around that topic. And so because of that, I think that it has always been more of an obsession where I will say diets were always done as a crash diet to get results versus long-term uh, lifestyle. What about you? Yes. Oh, yes. I mean, I have had an unhealthy obsession with my outward appearance for the majority of my 20s and some of my teens. But I think that overcoming that has allowed me to look at myself from a different perspective because it really can be debilitating. It's what you see in the mirror every single day. And sadly, it's such a shallow reflection of our souls when we have the opportunity to, to just look inward. It is so much more powerful than looking at this exterior shell that we have. So, well, I can't wait. I want to hear the shift, the shift for you yeah. of what kind of changed things for you. And I'll share what really changed things for me because I am a very drastically 
drastically polar opposite person from who I once was. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'll share that with you as well. But I actually asked our amazing producer, Paul Rogers, to join us today because he has such an incredible story about this exact topic. And I said, Paul, you just, you can't, you can't not be a part of this episode. We so Paul, <laughs> yes, yes. We forced him. Against, pressure. Oh, yes. Kind of against his will. We had to really convince him. But Paul, I want to frame the same question to you. So can you look at a time in your life where your body image was debilitating for you? Yes. Um, I appreciate you having me on even Thank though it was against you. my will. <laughs> um, yes, most of my life. And, and to, I mean, actually, currently today it does. It, it wears on me. I was, very, I was very overweight my entire life until I was about 24. Tell us what you mean by that. Um, I, was a, I was a very big kid. I grew super fast. I mean, I was like six foot tall in sixth grade. So, mm. and wow. size 15 shoe. And I was really, really big. I wear a 13 now okay. because I lost weight oh, yeah. and my oh, feet wow. got thinner. I okay, guess and so. I and I, I want how tall are you? I like six three. Okay, so okay. I want to give you a visual here. Paul is six three and he is literally like the picture of fitness. He is when no, he told us no. that he was overweight, we were shocked yeah, by this. I we were like, wait, he what? <laughs> he is so fit, he's so muscular. We had no idea. Okay, so keep going. Keep going with your story. So by sixth grade, you were... I was a very big kid, yeah. and I kind of... We grew up with no money. You know, I mean, my mom, bless her heart, she worked three or four jobs to just keep food on the table and just keep rent paid, roof over our heads. So we, you know, had to kind of... We couldn't get healthy, healthy food. Sure. So I would eat, and it was kind of stressful back then, you know, because I was kind of raising myself while she worked a lot. So I ate a lot. That was kind of my stressor. Sure. That was my stress relief was eating. And um, I would overeat, you know. I mean, literally, it's it's crazy. Like in, when I was, a, uh, I guess, a teenager, I'd get like four double cheeseburgers and a large fry from McDonald's. And then dip the tartar sauce and the sour. I mean, I can't sour, blame the, the, you. Hold on. Hold on. This is amazing. For you on your cheat days or if you just love stuff at McDonald's or wherever you go, if you get tartar sauce and sweet and sour sauce and you mix them together, it makes this kind of Hawaiian-type Polynesian sauce. And it is <laughs> phenomenal. I learned it from my Samoan friends in college. So tip on the body image, go to McDonald's and try this sauce <laughs> and then never do it again. Yeah, just, just, just I know, Paul, I love you so much, but I don't, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> no, right? I know, sounds no, fantastic. It actually oh is the best thing I'm ever. I thought it was disgusting. Process. So see, I, 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 I mean, when I go, it's like, we'll, we'll order on our cheat days because we do have cheat days, uh, or cheat meals. I try to do it because uh, I want to stay in that healthy mindset, you know, is that, We'll, we'll, we'll say order chilies because we sometimes don't order to like 9 or 10 o'clock at night. It's only thing on DoorDash, right? Sure. We'll spend almost as much on sauces as we do them food. 50 cents for ranch, 50 cents for... Yeah, yeah. Said, well, we get the extra large ones, so it's like 75 cents. Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, but anyways, so back to the debilitating part. So I still struggle with it. Um, I lost all my weight whenever my son was about to be born. I got tired of being looked at for the as the fat kid, as a fat guy. Didn't like it. I went through terrible... Um, identity issues when it came to what I wanted to be, what I, who I was, meaning like just, I hated myself a lot. 
when I was that big because a lot of people just judged me. I was the fat guy. I was big Paul. And it's like Paul the ball and oh, all that man. kind of stuff. And I hated that. So, and when I say identity, I struggle with the part of like, I, all, all I wanted to do was lose all my weight and then go somewhere else so no one knew me and I could no start over. No one knew you Paul the ball. Right. Wow. So I coped with it as, as best as I could. Did not like it at all, uh, but it was super debilitating, which formed body dysmorphia for me. Still to this day, yep. I have it. Like, Can't I, shake it. I won't, I won't go swimming. I won't take my shirt off in front of people. It's very, I mean, I'm, it's very debilitating. It is, it is a definite disease. Yeah, it sure is. Body dysmorphia is when you don't see what is the actuality. I still see a fat guy in the mirror right. a lot of the times. So, and I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on this later on in the episode, but that debilitating feeling is it, I get it. Like for people out there that are listening that have that, I mean, it's like an elephant is sitting on your chest at all times because you're so worried about what everyone thinks of you. Yes. You know, not to mention the fact when you look in the mirror, you hate yourself, you know, and I've dealt with that for a super, super long time. And there are ways to kind of that I've combated it and stuff, which I'm sure we'll get to in a little bit. But it's it's definitely for me, it's it's a lifelong thing. And it doesn't it doesn't go away for me. Mm. I don't but think I it have goes away for most most people, right? right? Like you hear about at you know just the definition of an addict. Just because you stop using drugs doesn't mean that you are no longer an addict. Oh, it absolutely means not. That you you're just a not are using covering addict. addict. And same with someone with body dysmorphia. They may have better habits, but you struggle with that relationship with food or working out or whatever that obsession is for probably the remainder of your life because it's something that is is so is so large in your life for so many years that it may it may fall to the background, but you still hear those voices in your head. And so what did it look like for you on a daily basis? Like what, what was your mindset when you were at your deepest struggle? What, what, what would you wake up and, and think and what did you go through? Yeah. You know, getting raw here, um, I did have a, a serious problem and obsession with not only how I looked, but what I ate to the point where <laughs> It was weird, you know, like I went through my adolescence and my teen years and I was top of the town, didn't even phase me. I thought everything's good. And then I went to college and I remember like looking in the mirror, you know, how do I look? Is my stomach flat? How much do I weigh? I'd step on the scale every single day. And how many, oh, I would, I would track my calories for, for years, 10, 12 years. And the truth is that when you put that at the top of mind, it's not about health and fitness. It's actually the opposite. It's it's not allowing you to see results in in having consistent healthy life healthy lifestyle, but instead allowing you to from focusing on what matters, which is whatever forward progress you want to have. So it was it was really tough, and I think that. The truth is with people that have body image, they they do not see what others see. They can be known as, you know, 
the pretty yeah, girl, that's the like skinny the, girl. Yeah, and that's like the definition of body dysmorphia yeah. is that you do not see what other people see. No, literally so, you don't. I mean, it's so interesting because, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at you guys and I, Paul, like the fact that you, that you would see something other than a fitness model, which is what we see, <laughs> right? Like we see a six foot, six foot three inch fitness model. Like that's what, that is the perception from the outside world. And so that is like truly the definition of body dysmorphia is that this, that you would not even feel comfortable taking your shirt off when there's so many other people who would die to look how you look, you know? Well, it's interesting that you say that. Thank you, by the way. But that makes me so uncomfortable to hear that to pe- <laughs> from, from people. Like yeah. it's wow. because it it's part of the disease. There's a voice inside of me. It's, it's kind of like um, inside of my brain, right? My brain works in a way where it's like what you're telling me inside of my head is saying oh that's That's completely wrong like what you're saying and it makes me literally i don't get uncomfortable ever like that's just not me like i mean in school i wore a coconut bikini and was jane of the jungle with my buddy that was tarzan (laughs) in front of like three thousand kids like i just don't care yeah like i've been on stages and i've performed in bands and that's just what i did so i don't get uncomfortable literally ever until i get a compliment freaks me out Yes, right? It really, and people are like, whatever, you're just kind of arrogant. I'm like, no, no, I don't want you to say that. Like, it's cool, and for a split second, I can take it. You can believe it. And I can believe it for a second, but then there's that voice inside of me that's that's literally yelling and saying, they're lying. And I hate that voice, you know? Mm-hmm. But there are ways that I've had to combat it. I mean, I've just got to shut that voice up. Yeah. I, I really do. And, and try to look at myself. So what in are the ways? Way. Tell us tell us the ways that you have kind of shifted that. Some days are better than the others. Mm-hmm. You know, um there are sometimes I, I think the way that I have shifted it was an entire lifestyle change. Sure. Because it's not just eating right. It's not just working out. It's putting more positivity in my overall life rather than just on one thing. Because then it becomes an overwhelming obstacle. If it's all weight, all looks, then it's very, very overwhelming. Um, back when I was, you know, not owning my own business, not an entrepreneur, I was just working in offices and sales and advertising and marketing and that stuff. It was very, I wasn't happy because I wasn't doing something for me. And that's all I thought about because I wasn't happy here and here and here and then not here. So, when you start, so what I started to do was add more positivity in my life, add more enjoyable things for myself, things that made my soul feel good and my heart feel good. And then I was able to alleviate some of that, that tension, that negative tension towards my body because I was happier, you know, um, and working out for me, if I didn't work out, it literally sends me into depression. Because I have to. Do you it's need it for the endorphins or do you need it for I your need routine? Why to does make it? Sh- I need it. So it's kind of like one of those things. It's I do it. I suffer through it even when I don't want to because it forces me to remember where I came from. Mm. If that makes any kind of sense. If I don't do because there have been times where I've injured myself or uh, like during quarantine 
I wasn't able to do what I needed to do. I mean, I worked out some, but it's not the same. You know, it just wasn't the same. Um, that I just started, it really put me down into this depression, depressive state because I wasn't able to push myself. So I make sure that every single day I push myself to do better things, which in turn makes me a more confident person. So, and I hide it very, very well, like the um, lack of confidence mm -hmm. because I know that I'm good at what I do so that's a point for me. Right. Right. But right. then I look, I mean, even back in the day, I hated, I, I would run past mirrors. I didn't want to see them. Do you think that for someone with body dysmorphia or something, someone with negative body image, that they can accept that they are confident in certain areas, but maybe not in, in all areas? Well, it's, it's that, it's the thing that I hate most in this world because I think it's such a debilitating factor in the mind that it can literally kill people. Like, I mean, literally, literally, yes. and then figuratively or mentally, meaning that they've just kind of given up. It's the victim mentality. And that's something that I had to get away from because I looked in the mirror and I saw I, I was a victim really? to the fat, you know, in quotations for those of you that aren't watching. What did you this. attribute? What, how, how were you a victim to it? Like, because it, it happened the, I, to you, it wasn't that you created it? Well, or I what? knew that I was creating it, but it was that fact of, I hate the way that I look, but I'm not doing anything about to it. fix it. And therefore, I kind of hate myself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it just puts you in this whirlwind of victim mentality. And I think a lot of people tend to do that with themselves is that they see it, but they don't do anything to fix it. I agree. But... It's not it's it's easier said than done to fix. Now, in my case, I did it literally cold turkey. I decided one day I was no longer going to be fat. Really? I was tired of hating myself as much as I did. My son was about to be born, and I think that was the catalyst that pushed me over the top. That was like, okay, I have no choice now because I wanted him to look up to me. In a way that yeah. always, not just like, oh, I, daddy's cool, but he's fat. Yeah. Or daddy's cool, but he's not healthy. Right. So what did you do at that point? Like when you said, I'm not going to be fat anymore. I'm going to make a change in my life. What What exactly did you do? Like, I'm so curious. Did you stop eating fast food? Did you start running? Did you start lifting weights? No, like, I never ran. I hate running. I do not run. I actually like only did if not you're being do chased? Any, yes, right. uh -huh. only yeah. or playing basketball. Or playing basketball because I do love basketball. Um, but yeah, no, I only run if I'm being chased. And then I'm like, is it really worth it if I don't run when I'm being chased? What's gonna happen to me if I get caught? Like I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm a decently sized dude. I'm like, I could take him. Or like that dog, yeah, I can probably pet it and it'd be nice to me, but. Um, I got a trainer. I spent every dollar I possibly could on a trainer because I knew I needed help. You needed the accountability. I needed help. Yeah. I, I, I didn't have the strength at that moment in time, emotionally or mentally, to do it by myself because I had already proven that. I had already proven that 24 years of my life, I was not in good health and I needed some help. So it's kind of like, you know, in any kind of recovery program or any kind of addiction recovery program, you the very first step is to admitting that you have a problem. And that was my problem. 
is that I knew that I wanted to change, but I wasn't strong enough at that moment in time to do it. So I just literally stopped eating all fast food, no more sodas, ate perfectly what the what the trainer said. And I lost 100 pounds in eight months. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. 100 pounds in eight months. And I was then? a machine. Were you no. Happy? You weren't. I was happier. Happy with the results. No. I was actually happy with the fact that I could do it. Right. Because I didn't like, I did. I accomplished probably one of the hardest things I had ever accomplished in my life. And then up next to my son. Right. You know, um, which, you know, that gave me a little bit of confidence too, because I've been raising my son since he was six months by myself. I've had full custody of him since he was six months old and he's 16 now. Yeah. And so it was just us. And I will say, Brandon is the most respectful, he's cool kid. mature, he's so sweet. handsome. I love that dude. You, I mean, the fact that you raised him as a single father is just a real testament to who you are because of, of who you have raised. At, at 16 years old, I am shocked that that's how he old like he a is grown because man he, and acts like he one. carries himself. <laughs> It incredibly well and that comes from watching his father well and the, the whoopings that i would give him because <laughs> i'm not like your i'm not like your new age parents yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> he messed up he got whooped yeah. Yeah. and you know what's funny side note from the whole body dysmorphia thing which we can get back on in a second but spankings did not work for him really some kids no, it doesn't it didn't work it didn't work for me either though and <laughs> I, I, never... I just i just realized that the other day my yeah. mom was telling me i was like yeah she was like oh yeah spankings never worked hey listen, she goes one time so you looked at us and was like is that all you got oh and my I, God. when i was a kid and i was like oh Ooh, yeah no, what I did you, what did you do with brandon he didn't want of... me to be disappointed oh, oh yeah yeah sweet yep he that's wanted my, me that's my older boy yep, yep. so what i would do Absolutely. is whenever he would mess up as a kid like i mean whenever he would do something pretty bad i was strict i could not be his friend and i think that that was what I don't believe a parent should be the friend. And Not until so, later. Exactly. Yeah. Because there's a point where you kind of have to let go of the parenting and say, listen, I'm your dad or mom and you're I've raised you as much as I possibly can. I'm yeah. not going to control you anymore. Sure. You know, but I couldn't until be that, that friend. Time. I wanted to be the disciplinarian and I needed him to know that things the value in life, being a great person and being a cruddy person because there are a lot of bad people in this world. Right. So, and I didn't want him to be one of them. So you find yourself, you know, looking back, you've lived the majority of your life overweight and your son is really the pivotal moment in your life where you decide, I got to get it together. And you're looking forward and it's obviously affecting your your career and your trajectory and how it's, and how it's affecting your entire life. So what, what do you think those habits, how do you think those habits attributed to success in your, in all other aspects of your life? Well, I think that, well, I know for a fact that because I did that, I know that I can do anything mm. because that was the biggest mountain I had to climb next to raising a kid by myself. But yeah, that, I, I didn't have a choice. That wasn't my choice. I made the choice to bring a kid into the life because, you know, it's 50-50 champ. I mean, it's 50-50 between two people. So, I mean, that's the way it had to be. So that wasn't a choice for me. That was I had to, and now I'm going to do the best job I possibly can. But losing weight and being healthy was an absolute choice. 
you know, yes, I felt like I had to because of health reasons. I wanted to make sure that I was healthy and okay for my kid to live. I want to live to like I'm 150 so I can watch him do everything, you know. Mm. Um, but because of that, that propelled me into who I am today. Yeah. You know, it still took me a while because that was my overall focus. But it's once you once you climb a mountain, it's like once you climb a medium sized mountain and then you climb a large mountain and then you're like, you know what, I'm going to tackle Everest. And then once you do that, you're like, where do I you know go what? from here? Yeah. Because now I can do anything. And I think it's the. So to answer your question, sorry, I kind of went around the, no. the bush on that one. I, it. It showed me that I could do anything. And I think I know that people. Uh, we are put on this planet as extraordinary beings. And I believe that we as humans can do anything. And we've proven that. There are certain humans that are in that one percenter that have taken everything and believed in everything and done it. And I think that we all can be have those characteristics of those one percenters in certain portions of our lives. And I think that if there's that... And you, the funny thing is, is you don't really have to believe in yourself at first. You just have to do it. Yeah. You just have to start it. Start. Wow. You yeah. have to start it because I didn't believe in myself. I didn't think I'd make it. I, I really didn't. But I took it one day at a time and that helped me so much. I set tiny goals for myself because what I used to do is I would wear a couple of uh, tank tops or what they would call wife beaters back in the yeah, day. Like the undershirts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. With the, you know, the ribs. Yeah, the ribs. I would wear a couple of them under my shirts so I could tuck in whatever heavy I had. And I hated that. And you could see it, you know, like almost like a bra strap through T-shirts. And I hated that look. I wore super baggy clothes. And that was my thing is I wanted to take off those undershirts and be able to wear a shirt without those. That was my goal. And it was those tiny it was it were those tiny goals that really got me to accept the larger goal and it got me there faster. People too many times and this goes for business, this goes for everything. People look at this giant picture, which is great to have. Please have those giant goals, but that's not one step away. And that's the problem is people tend to forget all the work that comes with something great, you know. And if you don't take these steps, small steps, baby steps to get there, you won't get there. Yeah, consistent efforts. Well, it's, 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 like, it's, it's like trying to do something with no information ever, like whether you can't attain it, you can't get it, you don't have anybody to tell you, and you're just trying to do something with zero knowledge. It's like you have to gain, you have to fail. Like, I love to fail. I love failing now. Sure. Like, failing is my favorite thing to do. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like that famous quote by uh, Thomas Edison. If he even said it, who knows? <laughs> Internet's a funny thing. But, you know, it says, someone asked him, how does it feel to fail thousands of times? And he's like, fail. I didn't fail. He goes, I just found a thousand times or more how not to do something. Mm. And that has fueled me, you know, within the body thing is now I know I can do anything. And it's interesting how whenever you were saying that we'll look back on things and what well, people have a different view of us. Right. And what's interesting is I'll go back to pictures whenever I felt I was heavy and I'll look at them. And I'm like, I actually look kind of good. Yeah. 
And it's weird because in that moment, I didn't. And it is literally a, like these, kind of like the beer goggles, except for, it's like hate goggles. Yeah. You know, against yourself. You have to take those off. Right. You have to take them off. But then when you go back and look at those, you look at those accidentally. So you're predetermining the way your outlook on yourself. Because if I, one of the things that I had to stop doing was trying to run from mirrors, right? Because what that did was that put this predetermined notion of what I was going to hate in the mirror, right? So if I, if, I, if I wake up in the morning and I think I'm going to have a crappy day, guess what? I'm going to have a crappy day, right? So if I go into the mirror thinking that I'm going to see something fat and disgusting, guess what I'm going to see? Some fat and disgusting because I've already wired my brain into thinking something negative, right? I think that was the first step that I struggle with that still. I do. Recently, I've been getting better. This summer, I know it's not over yet. It's getting there. Yeah. But this summer and soon, so I am too. (laughs) But this summer, I made a point. I'm gonna go swimming somewhere in public and take my shirt off. That is my goal. Let's do it. This year, like, and it it's weird because it's oh, it's just that the pool scares the heck out of me. Yeah. I think it's because I was made fun of at the pool when I was a kid. My whole life, I was made fun of for being the fat kid. I always used to, and then I'd wear a shirt in the pool. I'd always wear a shirt in the pool. And I feel like that's like a norm for me still. You got to take that shirt off. It's time. And it's, 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 I know it sounds so no, it doesn't. small to maybe some people, but that was, that's my thing. Like that. Listen. Well, I got to be honest. I mean, we could easily translate that. And for females, it's you won't take your cover up off at yeah, the right. point, I was right? Just about to say that. And so, uh, yeah. And that's that's a big struggle for a lot of women and a lot of my friends is that it is it's just so vulnerable and it's so revealing. Revealing. And when you struggle with those thoughts, it's it's a really hard line to cross. And it so is. It makes complete sense to me. Well, and, and it's that vulnerability that scares me because I'm very strong in all other aspects, you know, and that's what I position myself as and look at myself as is strength because that's what helps me because that's a positive outlook. Mm-hmm. You know, if and that makes me feel really weak is to feel that way, especially now because... I feel very powerful in my life right now. And that makes me feel like a small child. Mm. It really, really does. That's so interesting. Because, I mean, you have a successful family, thriving business. You're very fit. You're young. You're handsome. You have the, the world by out. the tail. <laughs> and so it is interesting that that in that one area, it still has such a hold on you. It literally makes me a different person. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm telling you, there have been times recently where I'll change shirts 20 times because I can't find something that I like myself in, Mm. but I do find a shirt and I just accept it because I'm not, I've had to learn over the years that I may never, I may not fully, fully just accept the way that I look all the time, but Mm. I'm going to have to keep living life. Otherwise, then what? Right. You know, we're only on this planet once and our time is we can't get that back. And I'm tired of wasting that precious time thinking that I can't go in public because I look the way I do. Right. 
my story is different than yours in that I was never overweight, but I got to the point where I only felt comfortable being a certain size. And then I had my children and I watched my body transform and be able to hold these like two beautiful babies. And then your, your body like somehow miraculously goes almost back to normal. (laughs) And that's when you kind of realize, wow, my body is just like this temple. It's not necessarily a reflection of who I am, but it's just, it's just a vehicle to achieve what I want to achieve. And so I think that for me, recognizing this is huge for me, which may seem not like a big deal to someone without body issues, but beauty is so not skin deep. Beauty is radiating from within you and your soul and the conversations you have and how you listen and your interactions. And so many people think when I'm looking at you, I'm looking at your exterior, I'm looking at your shell. But when in reality, we're listening to the words that are coming out of your mouth. And I think that it's important to remember that if you're feeling insecure about the way you look or how you present, you have to remember that it is more important what comes out of your mouth than how your mouth looks. And I think that if we all just remembered that in every day and looked at ourselves in the mirror and said, I give myself permission to say, this is you today, Christina. This is you today, Paul. This is you today, Rachel. You can't change how you look today. You can only change the interactions that you have with people and and leave someone with the impression of what your heart and how your, your soul reflects your, your sentiments. Do you you know, it reminds me of, you know, Maya Angelou said, people will never remember what you said, but they will remember how you make them feel. Yes. And so the words that are coming out of your mouth, um, is, is obviously what you're saying, but it's having an impact on other people and how they feel. Yes. And the truth is, is everything that you guys are saying, and of course I, I've struggled with some of these things myself too, but everything you guys are, are talking about when you were in the heat of your most insecure moments physically, what were you thinking about primarily? You were thinking about yourself. Yeah, I was, well... Yes, I was thinking about what everyone else thought of me instead of how to make sure that I'm okay with me. Right. And that's what I think is, especially nowadays with social media, you see the perfection of everyone. But Mm -hmm. it's interesting because that's not what that is. Just a little glimmer. Well, I mean, why do you think there are filters? Yeah. There are (laughs) filters because no one's perfect. There are perfect filters because no one is perfect. If everyone was perfect then there would be no such thing as filters. There'd be no such thing as Photoshop and all these things that correct things. Yeah. And I, one thing that you said that I love, and this is another thing that I did that I forced myself to do. And it actually over time helped is I would wake up in the morning. I'd look in the mirror, the very first thing, no matter what was going on. And I'd tell myself, I love myself. I would look in the mirror and I would just say, I love you. You're amazing go kick the day's butt. And I hated doing that at first. I made myself do it. But also to go back a couple of episodes uh, to this podcast, and you guys should go listen to a couple episodes ago because breaking out of that comfort zone, this is going to be, if you struggle with body dysmorphia or anything body image wise or anything image wise, it is going to be the most uncomfortable thing 
ever to break yourself off or at least to advance and help. So un- so uncomfortable. And I think people get so comfortable in their own misery that they forget what it's like or they don't know what it's like to transform themselves into being something else. Oh, that's it right there. That is it right there. And I say it all the time. People get so comfortable in the pain that they are sitting in that they will not grow and change. They won't change because they just are, they're familiar with the pain that they're sitting in. We are evolutionary beings and we're supposed to grow and change and adapt and move. And if we don't allow ourselves to do that, then we're literally taking space on this earth and not, it's like having a plant that you keep cutting off every time it grows. It's like, I want to grow a rose bush, but I'm going to keep cutting it every time it grows. Well, you're never going to have roses. Oh, you're, you're right. I need to let it grow. And it's like you keep watering yourself with negativity. So you start growing sideways, not in a physical self, but in like this parallel, you start to be parallel to your being instead of rising above that, instead of, you know, you're on that X axis instead of the Y. And I believe on living life in the Y axis because I want to go up rise. and down. I want to yeah. rise. Mm-hmm. I think I did that right, right? X is, yeah. X is, y is the y. rise. Okay. Woo, you got go it. me. Yes, math. Yes, math. Yes, math. All right. <laughs> I would fail that quiz. I think actually. I failed that no, class, yeah. but I didn't yeah. remember that. Good, good. I'm, I'm super, super impressed. Okay, so Christina, you have, you, you did, you said that you kind of have like five things that you identified. So the first thing is beauty is not skin deep. Yes. The second thing is you looked at yourself in the mirror and you said, I give myself permission to. Yeah, I give myself permission to whatever it is, accept myself today. I give myself permission to achieve what I want to achieve today and not and not be overshadowed by my image. Right. The image of your body is so shallow. Let it go. I give myself permission to achieve what I want to achieve. Do you feel like you give yourself permission? Rachel? Yeah, no, I do. I I do. I feel like I and and again, the same thing that Paul was just saying. I kind of had to get to a place where I looked at my body. Every single person has insecurities and has things about their body that they would change, right? So some person has bigger arms and they just wish that they had skinny arms, but they have skinny legs. And the person with big legs wishes that they could have those skinny legs. Like nobody is totally happy where they are. And I got to a place where I started saying, you know what? This body that God gave me grew too I mean, make me cry. Like this is the thing that gets me every time. It grew the two most amazing little boys. And that's like the, the, the body that God gave me and they're healthy and they're happy. And how can I be mad at the body that God gave me? I can, I can work to keep it at its best possible performance. Right. And that's like my, like exercise and eat right and do the things. And that's up to me, but the, the shape that God gave me and those little idiosyncrasies, those little things that I would want to change and tweak. That's what, that's what is unique about me, you know? And so the third thing was for you, this is me today and I can't change the way I look today, but with consistent practice, I can change how I feel about myself. And there's a quote that that, that, that reminds me of Robin Sharma, who, you know, I reference every day because he's, I just love his stuff. Small daily improvements over time lead to stunning results. And that's the truth is yeah. small daily improvements over time is where it's at. And Darren Hardy wrote a book about it. And 
uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Like there are so many books written about it, but small daily improvements is is what it's all about. So what about the fourth, the fourth thing for you? Yeah, this is huge. Erase friendships or any social apps that are negative in your life and you feel like are not allowing you to focus on positive things. That's huge. Like, let's just think about that for a minute. We've probably all had a friend in our life previously, if not right now, that we know is not giving you what you need or is not providing you with the positivity that you need in your life. You need to not abruptly end the friendship, but just slowly step back. It could be It doesn't have to be a focus on your body. It could be someone that's focusing on material things, someone that's focusing on their husband and how their husband or their wife or whomever is not, is not fulfilling their needs. It's that negativity that you feel when you're around them. I suggest you slowly back away because if you're around a negative person, you are going to adopt these negative beliefs. You are the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. Yes, that's been one of my favorite quotes. Oh, 100%. And so you've got to do that. And so I would say that you don't need to like chop off Instagram completely. You don't need to chop off the arm, right? But you can unfollow the people who make you feel bad about yourself, right? And I've done that. I've gone through and I'm like, why on earth every single time I see a post from, from this I feel bad about myself. Why am I continuing to subject? I am in control here. I am in control. Okay, so what is your fifth, what's your fifth tip? Yeah, it it goes hand in hand with number four, but I think it's be a critical viewer. Be aware of what you're reading and what you're looking at and what you're watching. Don't just spend hours scrolling. It is something that I've had to work so hard at doing. I cannot find myself scrolling the internet with like no value. I'm like, oh, I've spent an hour scrolling the internet or I've watched the Kardashians for an hour, which, you know, I admittedly do, but be a critical viewer and be aware of the type of messages that you're receiving from wherever you receive your media or your entertainment, because there are so many ways to spend 30 minutes. There are so many ways to spend time. It it doesn't have to be passively accepting something that is just filling your brain with actual nonsense or trash. And I think it's important to be a critical viewer because without those five things, you're just going to continue to be in the same exact position that you're in. I'm not saying I'm like a model for anything, you know, like when it comes to body image, but it's accepting yourself of where you're at and knowing that this is the best that I can do today. And I'm moving forward. There's a there is a trajectory and I'm moving towards my goal. So those five things, I I mean, honestly, I probably passively remind myself of every single day. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting about a couple of the, of the five that that you talked about was number three being that, um, like you have to make an effort to do something. What was number three? I apologize. I I know what I'm going to say. This is me today. And I can't, I can't change myself today, but I'm going to accept myself for it today. Right. So if it, it may help people to have a realization about what that means because it's kind of like, yeah, you just have to work hard and you'll be a millionaire. How would you get there? 
I want to know the steps. I want to know every time you bumped your head. I want to know all that kind of stuff. So in that light, for that statement, for number three, you have to know that bad habits are formed so easily. So what you have done is you have built an incredibly terrible habit of hating yourself or of not accepting yourself or all of these negative things, right? And it takes repetition and consistency to create a good habit. So if you can look at it as saying, wow, I've literally created a habit, a bad habit for myself, and it's going to be uncomfortable breaking of it, right? So once you understand and accept the fact that it's going to be uncomfortable, but also it's kind of like, Whenever you're doing any kind of word problem in school, you're doing it wrong and you have to break the habit. You're like, well, I got to show my work now. So now I got to do all this, but you have to break that habit. We're capable of doing it. We just have to do it. That consistency is that we have to feed it into our lives little by little. And then we start to believe it because then it becomes a positive habit, a good habit, because bad habits are so hard to break. But don't let that break you. You know, you've created it and you can create the good habits too. And it's not, yes, easier said than done, but feed yourself those good things so that habitual bad becomes habitual good. Yeah. And that's I think exactly, that's exactly right. That's, that's actually in that, it, that's what I always tell people small daily improvements over time, but you can switch that and you can say small bad habits done consistently over time puts you in a reverse snowball into terrible results and the exact opposite of what you want out of life exactly. so make the choice not to feed yourself the bad yes and feed yes. yourself even if it's just a little good yes you know instead of 30 minutes with the kardashians spend 20 minutes with them yeah. and spend 10 minutes telling yourself you love yourself or you know what that may even sound cliche. Why don't you spend 10 minutes doing something you truly love? love. You know, spend 10 minutes drawing. Yeah. Spend 10 minutes coloring. Spend 10 minutes looking at a dog or petting it. I don't care what it is, but feed yourself those little morsels, if, if you will, of positivity and good habits. Because the more you feed yourself, you start to feed off of the endorphins that it, that, that it provides you. You know, because little bitty doses start to make you feel happy in those times. Think about times. It's kind of like a relationship. We all do this, except we pick and choose when we're going to do it because we've all done this before. Let's say that you're going through a breakup. What happens when you start missing that bad, in quotations, person? You think about all the, the good, good things. Times. Yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, oh, maybe it was worth it. Yeah. You know, so we're already doing that. But we're doing it in a poor way yeah. sometimes. So don't think that you don't know how to do it, but pick the correct ways or the correct portions to do it. Because our mind is already wired to think of good, you know, to already think of the positive things because that's how we justify. Justification is there, but we can justify good or justify bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that can either fuel us or it can put us out. Okay. So there is one thing that I want to point out that, that neither of you really realize about, about yourselves, but I want you to know that what you, during this transformation process, what, what the things that you're doing that feed your soul, that make you feel good, 
I think that our culture really talks a lot about self-love and self-acceptance. And that's, that's a really great thing, but that is done in the service of others. And so what, what neither one of you have really acknowledged today, but that I know you both individually and personally is you are both truly gifted in the area of serving others. And so you have found a level of fulfillment and a level of confidence and a level of self-love because you've taken the focus off of yourself, which is where it really starts, taking that focus off of yourself and no longer worrying about what other people think of you, but instead thinking about how you can serve others and make other people feel better about themselves. And that's actually the secret to confidence. That's actually the secret. It's not so much self, self love and self acceptance that will come as a byproduct of serving others. And you will make other people feel so valuable and they will want you in the room, which in turn makes you feel more confident because you make them feel valuable and loved and important and all of that. Right. So it's like this full circle thing. And that's like the one part that most people don't, it doesn't click in their brain. And so for both of you, I know, I know that that's happening for both of you. And there's so many parallels in life with body image, changing your circumstances physically and then changing your circumstances in the rest of your life. And so a couple a couple episodes ago when we were talking about comfort zones, we very specifically talked about how your your decisions in your personal life and your ability to break out of your comfort zone in your personal life spills over into your business. And this is literally an, a perfect example of that. You need accountability, whether this is your, your journey to physical fitness or whether this is in you trying to build a business. Paul hired a trainer. He knew he needed that accountability. I have accountability in my fitness and eating journey to make sure that I am always challenging myself to be better, right? You are not a victim. You're not a victim in your circumstances of life or in your body. You're not a victim. You are in control. You can only do the things that are in your control. And so by letting the fluff go, right? Like you cannot snap your fingers and earn $10 million. And I'm just being honest. You don't want to snap your fingers and earn $10 million because again, I say it every single time you skip the good stuff. You skip the growing process. You skip the struggle that got you to the end goal. Paul, If I had snapped my fingers when you were 300 pounds, I snapped my fingers and you turned into the level of fitness and lean six foot three man that you are today, would you be the same person if I had, if I had just given you my magic wand and turned you into that? Would you be the same person today as if you had to go through the process and go through the struggle to get there? Of course not. No. I mean, that's one of the things I tell my son all the time yeah. is that, and I've, I've told a lot of people this. So it's interesting that you say all this because no, I wouldn't be the same person because I had to appreciate a lot of, so just to back up on my thought, people are so afraid of the struggle and run from the struggle. But if you don't truly appreciate or feel the struggle, you will never appreciate true success ever. It's just not what it is. Amen. You just won't. <laughs> yeah, if you're handed so everything, it's it's kind of like I, t- I tell a lot of people this um, 
in business coaching or whatever it may be in life, I say, if I gave you a Ferrari, a couple hundred thousand dollar car, right? You'd probably take care of it, right? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. If you just, if I just gave it to you, oh, okay, yeah, oh yeah, I'd take care of it. Now, how about if you spent $200,000 of your hard earned money on yes, that Ferrari? Totally different. Do you think that you would take care of it differently? And they'll sit there and think for a second. They're like, oh yeah. Because it's truly, if you were handed things, I think that's an issue. That's what I, back to the parenting thing with my son only, is because I don't want to tell anybody else, but I want my son to struggle. And I'm not going to bail him out every time. Now, if he's in trouble, trouble, of course I'll help him. I'm, I'm his dad, right? But if he creates a problem, he needs to figure out how to get out of it. Otherwise, he will not learn that skill. And you just, you, you have to appreciate the failure so you can appreciate the success. Mm. That success is incredible once you've been at bottom. Yes. I mean, think about people that I, I know people personally that have been at rock bottom and then now are super successful. And they say this, they all say the same things. Yeah, it was horrible. And did I want to be in it at that moment in time? Nah. Aren't I glad that I was there because now I can appreciate life. And it's interesting how differently you look at life because life is precious. So is time. So are the people around you. And if you can't accept that, if you're so into that selfish side of them, because we all get selfish and we think about, oh, you start wasting your years and your time on trying to look the way that you think you should look and everything passes you by. You know, and it's like surrounding yourself with, I tell people this all the time in business, people, just like what you were saying, number four, right? Number four. Erase friendship. Yes. And it's like, <laughs> it's kind of like, I'm an idiot if I keep investing in a, in a, in a crashing stock. Sure. Right? Yes. I'm dumb. That's powerful. Right? Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm not smart if I keep investing in a crashing stock every time and lose. Right? Now, if I don't, if I stop investing, does that stock go away? No. I'm just not investing in it. So stop because, I, you know, I've got friends that I don't talk to much anymore because they're not on the same level of mental wavelength as me. Sure. Different, and that's fine. Different place. Yeah. We're, we're all different people. Them. Exactly. So I wouldn't even say erase them from your life. I would say stop investing so much of your time into them because you're giving away your energy. Stop giving away your energy and investing your time and energy into people that aren't willing to invest energy in themselves right? or you. Or, or a similar trajectory of life. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and and really I, I tell people like this in, in, in business, it's like you're surrounding yourself with the people that are unmotivated. And how do you think that is going to relay to your life? You know, if, if you walk into a room and you're angry, but every single person in that room is happy, guess what's going to happen? You have you can either be the angry idiot or <laughs> angry and leave, yeah. or it's going to kind of rub off on you and you're going to be like, okay, there's no way to be angry in this room. But think about it the opposite way. If you're in a group full of people that are unmotivated, not going anywhere, have made nothing but bad choices, guess what's going to happen? 
it brings you down. It's like the disease of being an empath, right? We all take on the energy of the things that we're around. And whether it's a super close relative or just an acquaintance, it's easy to take away the bad or take away the good. So, and what you said about helping people, that's all I wanted to do. As soon as I lost my weight, I went and got my personal training license and I wanted to help every single person I possibly could that was overweight. Because if I could do it, anybody could do it. You know what? Rory Vaden said, you are uniquely positioned to help the person you once were. Yes. And that is so good. Is that because not the most profound? It's in- incredible. Yes. yes. That is so incredible because to this day, if I can make somebody better and make them feel that they're love because I, I I'm one of those kind of people that I love everyone. Like my religion of life is love. Like I love everyone, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And oh, and I, it radiates off of you. Like it's, it's, it's just, undeniable. That's just who I am. Yeah. And I can't, and I've taught my son to be that way. And he's so much like that. And I love that. But if I can make every single day, if I wake up and I can impact one person's life in a positive way, I have won. And that is a day that I can put on the winning side. And I love that. So I think that whether it's body image or how you're seen or perceived in the world, I think that it's important to remember that who you are is not just skin deep. You have to look at yourself in the mirror every day. Remember, I give myself permission to achieve whatever it is you want to achieve. This is me today. I cannot change the circumstances of who I am today without small, consistent habits. Maybe not erase friendships, but put your energy in friendships that matter and people that are going to propel you into that next step of your life and be a critical viewer of what you see every single day so that we're working on ourselves, whether it be body image or your career or your family or how you raise your kids. Those are the those are really great five tips for any aspect of your life. Absolutely. It is. Few things in life are as foolish as hoping that old behaviors will produce new results. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And so if you're not happy where you are today in your life, whether that's your body, whether that's your business, your financial situation, whatever it is, nothing changes if nothing changes. Absolutely. And you are in control of that. So guys, thank you so much. So today good. like fed my soul. Oh my gosh. Yes. And we hope it was incredible. Fed your soul Paul, too. thank Paul. you so much for sharing your story thank with us. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes. I, this, I, is, this is a very big topic for me and I, I, I love this. Oh, well, thank you for sharing it with us. We hope that you feel the way that we feel right now, which I feel like I want to go run a marathon. <laughs> so why don't you take advantage of this energy, write something down on a piece of paper and actually turn it into something that you can do. Uh, we would really, really appreciate your review. That is how people find us, how they know that you enjoy our podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to follow us on theshakeup.podcast at, on Instagram. And thank you for spending time with us today. We hope That's you have right. a great day. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That's the only place that you can rate and review. And it really does help our content get out to more people. So if you enjoyed what you heard today, uh, we would so appreciate that. So thank you so much for being with us and we'll, we'll talk to you next time.